flat is a state of mind. Get to know the people, science, and stories that make the Kansas outdoors more than flyover country. This is Flatlander Podcast, presented by the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks and the Kansas Wildlife Federation. What I see on my dirt is undescribable as the Bible. Welcome back to Life in the Flatlands, where the weather dropping below 90 degrees in September summons the start of soup season. I'm one of your hosts, Tana. And I'm Nadia. We are so excited to have you guys join us today to chat a little bit with one of our most favorite partners. So in this episode, we're going to be exploring one of the most important aspects of recruiting and retaining new hunters. It can also be one of the hardest things to tackle, and that's mentorship. So with that, Nadia, do you want to introduce our guest? I am super excited about today's special guest. And I know we probably always say that doesn't mean it's not true. So today we have Brittany French, and I'm not going to tell you guys where, uh, what organization she hails from, because I want her to tell you all the great work that she does. So Brittany, take it away. Yeah. Hi guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I um, am with the Pass It On Outdoor Mentors Program. That's their acronym, P-I-O-O-M. It's very fitting, given the mission. So, Brittany, tell us a little bit about Pass It On Outdoor Mentors, maybe how that group got started. Yeah, so Pass It On Outdoor Mentors, or Outdoor Mentors, we go by kind of a variety of breakdowns of our name. We were started in 2002 officially as a nonprofit organization, 501c3, meaning that we fundraise a lot of money to keep our program going, to keep our doors open, um, and to continue getting kids outdoors. And historically, that's that's our mission is to get kids outdoors. Um, back in 1999, Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks actually opened up their first youth upland season, and I think it was the week before regular season. And uh, my boss, our president and CEO, Mike Christensen, was living in a neighborhood at the time with a Big Brothers Big Sisters employee and a department employee. And they all kind of got together and thought, hey, this is a good opportunity to get littles outdoors with some mentors. Let's just see how it goes. And uh, Mike tells the story so much better because he was there. And he was (laughs) thinking, you know, in his head, these kids are going to like outrun these fields. You know, they're going to be in great shape. They're going to make all these guys look a little wimpy. And they get out there and hunt two fields and the kids are just exhausted. I mean, they could not hunt another field if they tried. And it's because they were so not used to it. And all of us know upland hunting's not for the faint of heart. Oh like, it's a good kind of tire. Yeah, you gotta you, you get in there. You put in some effort. And so the one thing they took away from that, though, was that all the kids really wanted to go again. And we're just so excited about it. Um, so fast forward, obviously, to 2002, um, CEO's at Big Brothers Big Sisters said, hey, let's let's create this program, invited Mike on board. And his first comment was, okay, Mike, so go raise some some money to pay your salary and we'll get this program started. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Welcome to the nonprofit world. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, we sure appreciate everything you do. And it's especially important because when surveyed, many potential hunters indicate that one of their top barriers to hunting or their two top barriers are not knowing where to go and not having anyone to go with. And I know you guys have seen that in some of your surveys as well. So it's really important, and we're glad that you guys are filling that niche and filling that role and providing mentorship opportunities to kids. Yeah. It's, it's special. It's, it's critical. Yeah, in order to pass it on, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm sure our listeners can see now why you guys would be such a great agency partner to us because of that shared mission. Yep. Um, for people who aren't familiar with Passing On Outdoor Mentors, um, can you share a little bit about the types of youth that you guys are reaching out to? Is there kind yeah. of a um, a standard, you know, little that you guys typically try to help out? Or is it just anybody and everybody who who fits, you know, the, the category youth that yeah. you guys are attempting to reach out yeah, to? Yeah, I would say it's a little bit of both and all in between, right? So historically, obviously our focus was big brothers, big sisters, littles, and those are very underserved kids. Kids who, I mean, have never seen dirt roads, have never seen what cows look like outside of a black and white dairy cow. Oh, you told me that story. I could tell you stories for days on, I got involved with outdoor mentors in 2015 as a mentor. And just the stories I had with kids in a tree stand or a turkey blind and them hearing tree limbs rub together thinking it's Chewbacca coming through the woods. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's so profound how underserved they are in the outdoors. So it's really cool to focus on that group. And we still do that. We, We still work with Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Youth Horizons, different organizations like that to cultivate long term matches, which is awesome because we know that's gonna really last a long time in both mentor and little's lives, which, which is great. We recently in 2019 started a shooting sports outreach program where we extend hunting opportunities to kids who are on local trap teams or skeet teams. And that's been a lot of fun and a a big, um, push in our organization because there's so many kids shooting trap in Kansas today. We actually, um, for the listeners who, uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys know this, but for those who don't, one of my roles at Wildlife and Parks is serving as executive editor of Kansas Wildlife and Parks magazine. And we just did a feature on the the U.S. Open for clay shooting for skeet and stuff. And it is such a, a neat, neat sport. And I love how much it's growing because it's really something that is, is super accessible. Um, doesn't require all the equipment that a hunt might. A um, little bit easier to find a location where you can go shoot. Um, so, yeah, that's really neat that you guys are focusing in on yeah. that. And full transparency, I still sometimes think it's Chewbacca when I'm out <laughs> Oh, there. my gosh, so. I know. Don't we all? <laughs> or it's that giant deer coming through the timber. Always. And you're like, oh, it's an armadillo. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's a armadillo, again. man. <laughs> Those armadillos get me. Well, Brittany, before we move forward, we got to backpedal a little bit. Yeah. I think we all know um, in this space, in this industry, that what makes NGOs run, um, these non-government organizations or nonprofit organizations even, is the people behind them. And um, before we dive into the meat of this, I want to talk a little bit more about you and your background and what makes you so passionate about this work. Yeah. Well, I just kind of feel like I have my dream job with this. (laughs) Um, I grew up in western Kansas, southwest Kansas in Dodge City uh, on a ranch raising cattle and uh, very much was into Little Britches Rodeo and shooting traps, shooting ski, going hunting when I could, um, playing a lot of sports. I was kind of just a big tomboy. So it was no <laughs> surprise that I kind of kept that growing into my adult years. Um, <laughs> went to college in Wichita and played softball. And ironically, obviously living in the dorms, you can't take your firearms and you can't like yeah, really go hunting all that much when you're playing, you know, seven games a week. So I kind of fell out of that uh, quickly and realized how much I missed it which is then when I found out about Pass It On Outdoor Mentors and I was interning at Big Brothers Big Sisters in a juvenile justice program, ironically, and Mike popped into my cubicle and was like, hey, I heard you like to hunt. You want to help some kids? And I thought, sure, what are we doing? <laughs> and yeah, we went to Harveyville for our first turkey hunt and I we were cruising through the Flint Hills and we happened to have a few kids in my car and this little boy's freaking out, pointing out the window. What is that? What is that? And I'm like, it's a cow. And so we have plenty of time to pull over, check things out. Cause maybe I missed something, right? We're, we're driving. And he was just so dumbfounded because 
it was a beef cow, like just a big black beef cow. And he had no idea that cows look differently than your typical dairy cow. And in my head, um, holy cow, this is an incredible program. And it's so (laughs) important that these, I mean, I have cows in my backyard growing up. Right. How privileged am I to know what that is? And these little kids don't have any idea. So I guess you could say that's really what started my passion. And I think uh, mentorship is just awesome. I love mentoring. I think it's kind of just like a a staple in my my being. So I'm all for it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, to your to your compliment, you uh, you bring a lot of heart and passion and everything you you. do, Brittany. And we're lucky to kind of call you a friend as well as a kind of a colleague in the field. So we we're glad you're here today. Well, and I'm just going to point out, even though it's obvious to us, I just love the fact that you serve in this role and you're a young female. That's uncommon. I mean, I I believe that the hunting community is fairly welcoming. You know, we, we are so passionate about what we do and we want to share that with others. We want to do it the right way. We want to share with others. But it's not often that you find a young female who is so passionate about it and actively working to, to share that with others. That's something that I wish mm. I would have benefited from. Yeah. Um, but the good thing is, is that I still had the benefit of a mentor. And I think that's something that all of us here at this table have had. And so we do recognize what an impact that has on our lives. Mm. When somebody just takes the time to, to say, hey, I heard this about you. Do you want to join me? That's all it takes. Um, and it's amazing because I think some of us look at that and we get really daunted by the fact of, oh my gosh, I've got to teach somebody all the ropes. I've got to teach them all the things. And not really. Sometimes it's just a matter of including somebody. Oh yeah. 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 And you don't have to know everything there is to no. know to Amen. be a mentor. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like let's face it, the kids we're mentoring or others we're mentoring, we learn so much more from them than what we know. Right. That's awesome. It is. It's a good message too. Well, Brittany, let's dive back into that most recent initiative you mentioned, which is working with the high school shooting sports athletes. So I'm curious, like, what makes this group a great target audience to work with for your program? Yeah, I mean, so besides them being excellent shots, right, because they're practicing, gosh, way more than we probably all practice (laughs) here at this table, um, all of these kids have to be Hunter Ed certified or have a gun safety certification. So Right away, they already know how to be safe, and they're practicing safety at the range. Um, They're getting plenty of practice in shooting-wise. And, you know, not to mention, it's an individual sport, but it's also very team-related, too, still, because you do get a collective score. So we love the idea of focusing on these kids on these teams because we kind of see it as a social support or even a community, like, team-building activity. So bridging that gap between target shooting and hunting just seems so natural. I mean, the kids are all ready to go. We just need to find access and mentors for them and teach them from there. Have you heard from coaches saying that this is like a great team building and that it brought their team closer? Yeah, I have multiple coaches every year. Hey, we want to go on a dove hunt. This is just our thing. It's our team kickoff and they love it. Um, more and more coaches are reaching out and like doing pheasant hunting activities too, because we can take say two, three groups of four or five, maybe kids out Yeah, and it kind of creates like a, you know, there are five kids on the line, creates a good little mojo between all of them. And it's really neat. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. You know, this program reminds me a lot of NASP. Um, and for our listeners, that's the national archery in the schools program. That's something else that has really been, um, adopted well here in Kansas. Same thing with the shooting sports. And I think that is so cool because you're reaching a a segment of youth 
who maybe don't fit into the Friday night football mold, um, or they necessarily don't fit into chess or some other, you know, debate, yep. but shooting sports, that's something that they can latch onto. And I love it because it's also a lifelong skill. You know, it's, it's like golfing or anything else. It's something that you can do throughout the entirety of your life. And so I think that's another reason it's just so neat. Yeah, it's a very equal opportunity sport, right? Yeah. It's if you ever go out to the state shoot um, in any state you're in, right? There is one probably in, in June, most likely. But you'll see kids, females, males, kids of different abilities all towing the same line. And at the end of it, they're all just trying to shoot 25 straight. And it's it's neat to see that cohesiveness. I love it. And there's our commercial and cut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I love that too, because, um, you know, I grew up in a non, in a no firearms household. Like we didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know this. Either. I do tell did not shoot or hunt growing up. Um, and in fact, when I was little, um, okay, spoiler alert, I'm a baby. I was born in 95 and there was a lot going on with, you know, like there is today with firearm safety and, certain incidents, um, schools being extra careful. And so I wasn't, I didn't even play with toys that looked like guns, like that resembled guns. Cause there were stories circulating in the news of kids like chewing their toast into the shape of a gun at lunch and getting suspended. Like there was a lot of, uh, hype around that time about it. So anyway, Great fast bend, forward, right? I grew up in Lawrence actually. Oh I have family in Great Bend though. Okay. That's what it was. Yeah. 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 Great yeah shout out to the Great Bend <laughs> Fancher fam. Um, <laughs> No, but it's, I think programs like this are so important because as we talk more and more about firearms in the media, mm-hmm. good or bad, these programs are instilling safe firearms practices, oh, yeah. safe handling, mm-hmm. um, safe maintenance. These kids know how to handle these firearms. They know what to do in an emergency situation. So I, if you're a parent out there and you're wondering whether or not your kid should get involved in an opportunity like this through the schools, whether it is NASP or whether it's these high school clay shooting sports teams, Um, I I really encourage you, if your kiddo is interested, to get them involved because there are so many benefits. There's that team atmosphere. There's the discipline of it. But there's also the safety and education side, which is so important. Yeah. I think there's also that that, not stigma, but not um, if your child's going to be around a gun, but when they're going to be around a gun, Mm -hmm. how do they make themselves safe and make sure others are safe? Yeah. And do so in a way that's fun and non-threatening. Like it it doesn't have to be a bad thing. So that's I'll, really important. I'll say this, this is, you'll laugh at this. We have one landowner who loves to host deer hunts for us and he gets up on the fireplace mantle and holds up his rifle and says, at the end of this barrel is death. And everybody in the room's like, whoa. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. But at the same time, it's like, you will be safe and nobody will be hurt today. And yeah. because we're super aware of these things. That's right. <laughs> that's important. Well, let's get back into um, these hunts. So when you're working with these high school clay target teams, you guys are organizing hunts and getting them out in the field. And I've heard you guys refer to yourselves yourselves before as um, like hunt brokers almost. So talk to us a little bit about how you organize these hunts and all the work that goes into it. Because I know there's a lot of moving parts. There certainly is. But I mean, and that's a good way. Brokering, facilitating, coordinating. I mean, there's so many words you can interchange in there, but it's really connecting and um, coordinating these opportunities for these kids by finding conservation groups um, to find mentors, right? So there's so many turkey groups, pheasants groups, ducks, RMEF, I mean, you name it, there's thousands of people across the state 
um, able to mentor just because they're part of these groups. And so we really like to dive in and ask these folks like, hey, you want to come on board and and help us? And usually we're met with hesitancy, right? And it's, I don't have time. And that's the biggest thing with mentoring across the board, right? We're all protective of what little time we have in a day. Um, And that's when we can say we do all the hard work. We do all the heavy lifting of finding the kids, making sure they're signed up. They have all of the information from start to finish. Um, And then also finding land access, whether that's through the Department of Wildlife and Parks on some WEHA or through special hunt programs or through our private landowners. Um, We line up that access just to create a little more ease because obviously access can be a big challenge for these kids. And then we just kind of throw them all together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I I think it's right. It's honest to say it is heavy lifting, especially when it's never been done before. But can you talk a little bit about when these hunts go well? They go right, and you find a good partner like that. Mm-hmm. Talk about what that relationship then looks like the next year and the year after that because yeah. I think it's one of those things where um, the heavy lifting is at the beginning because once people see the good that you guys are doing and how successful it is, it's hard to want to walk away from that at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was I was just talking to my coworkers about this uh, this week is that it's been really fun to see kids go on multiple species of hunting opportunities with us now. Um, and there's one p- particular kid, Kyron, who's been hunting with us since like, I guess like 2014, maybe 2015 for quite a while. And he's an inner city kid whose mom does not hunt. And I mean, by no means would be a hunter without our program. Um, and he's gone on uh, so many different hunts with us and I love it. And this past, past weekend, he went on the analyst hunt and, and shot a doe and he was so proud and we shared it on our Facebook and I had three or four mentors hop on there and we're like, way to go, Kyron. You're such a great shot. Remember that one time we shot that turkey or remember that one time we went pheasant hunting and it was like the Kyron show. And it was just <laughs> awesome to see that these mentors were like rooting for Kyron, even though they weren't on the hunt with him. Yeah. Well, and that's cool too. Cause so much um, of the time we see like these mentorship programs and you know, everybody's doing their best. I'm not knocking anybody, but a lot of times it's a one and done one and done. where your relationship with that mentor exists for that day. And it's not a, it's not a continued relationship. It's not truly like long-term mentorship. Mm -hmm. And I really admire about your program that your mentors are in some instances able to stay in touch and continue to encourage their mentees, even if they're not the ones taking them out every season or for every species. Uh, It's really cool the way you guys handle that. Yeah. And what we've really tried to push with these conservation groups are, you know, these kids are the future of your chapter. So why don't you give them a youth membership or invite them to your banquet and or do a raffle for them at your banquet so they can raise some money for their team or just make them feel at home because they're going to need a home in the hunting world someday. And hopefully it's their chapter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely a mutually beneficial Mm -hmm. relationship for sure. Yeah. So what does it look like when a youth signs up for one of your hunts? Um, Are they bringing all of their own equipment? Is some of that provided? Is it kind of on a case-by-case basis? How does that work? Yeah, I would say it's species by species, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So like a lot of our deer hunts, if we're using a rifle, typically our kids don't have rifles, especially from the Clay Target League because they're shooting shotguns. Um, So our mentors, we do rely on them heavily to make sure their firearms are, you know, in good shape. They're sighted in, they're ready to go. um, And they're, they're more than happy to do that. Uh, in today's world, ammo is a challenge, and we love our sponsor with Federal Ammunition, so they've been able to give us some ammo to hand out to some kids who um, don't have it. Um, if license purchasing permits are issues, deer processing, we, we can cover that too. We 
make a little line in our budget so we can help kids out in that capacity too. Very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. yeah can yeah. we just have a moment of silence for the ammo shortage, please? Oh. <laughs> but really though. But really though. <laughs> That's, that's really cool because I wondered about the processing specifically because that can be um, cost prohibitive to some people. You know, you've harvested, let's say, a beautiful dough, all this meat you could potentially take back to your family. And I can't imagine as a high school kid how, like, empowered you would feel bringing home all this lean protein mm. to your family and being like, I provided this. I provided, yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So, and maybe for our listeners, you know, if you are interested in getting involved with passing on outdoor mentors and helping with this cause, that might be a really great avenue for people to donate to is to sponsor some of these processing um, costs and things like that. You know, if you don't have any in a mentor or you don't feel like you're quite ready for that yet, that might be a good step. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Brittany, what do you think is like the hardest part of these hunts? It's a good question. (laughs) I don't know if there's really one particular part that's hard as much as it is um, reinsuring our mentors that that they're good mentors. Mm. Um, I think I mentioned earlier, like the one thing mentors are always sensitive on is time. Like I, I can't commit to that. But I also get a lot of mentors who are just not confident in, in their abilities or they feel like they have to know everything there is about deer hunting. I'm like, listen, I am like a, a newbie deer hunter. Like I can't field dress a deer without help. And it's okay that you can't either. So mm-hmm. it's all right. And I think that's part probably – one of the bigger parts. And then of course, you know, keeping a foot in the door with access is like, you know, making sure we can reach out to the landowners and we're doing the right things and picking up trash and maybe even having some field days where we're helping them do some type of manual labor to earn our keep on, on those grounds. That's really cool. And that's an avenue too. you know, KDWP offers uh, depredation tags. If you are in an area where deer are damaging your crops, damaging your property for whatever reason, and you are applying for those depredation tags, um, consider chatting with Passing On Outdoor Mentors and providing access for some mentees to be able to come out and safely yeah. harvest a deer on your property and kind of get two birds with one stone. It'd be a really great avenue to get involved with. Yeah, we got to hunt on a pumpkin patch last year in like <laughs> north jealous. central so Kansas. Cool. I can't remember. It starts with an S, the town, but uh, Game Warden called and said, hey, we've got some issue here. Do you want to send some kids? I'm like, sure. And it was before the youth season even happened because the deer were so bad and oh it was awesome. Gosh. So. Yeah, that's a great opportunity for kids to to learn from. Yeah, they'll never forget that. Well, and something else that I think, you know, for our listeners who happen to be landowners, you know, I know one of the fears, um, especially working for the department, is, you know, people don't want their land overrun. They don't want to feel like they've lost control over their own property. Um, So I think it's so important that you guys are instilling in the youth, you know, the importance of leaving things better than you found them. But that brings up another good point, too, about, you know, these events that you guys host, they're really well coordinated and they're very controlled. So I just want to assure anybody who has a little bit of hesitation about getting involved, thinking that, their property is going to be overrun with a bunch of teenagers just running amok. That's not how these <laughs> events are coordinated. Mm-hmm. It is very controlled. And and that's the beauty of being a landowner too, is, you know, they can dictate what yes. they're comfortable with and what they're not comfortable with. And I know that you guys are really good about sticking to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's important. So we talked about some of the hardest aspects, yeah. but what's the most fun or maybe mm-hmm. what's been the most memorable? Yeah. Um, honestly, this is, this is so funny because I spend week after week planning probably in the bulk of hunting season. I mean, five to six hunts a week and typically they'll happen on like Saturday, Sunday. And my favorite part is waiting around for text messages of pictures of these kids or like (laughs) stories from the mentors and the parents because they're just 
so excited. I mean, they could be completely skunked deer hunting or not shoot their gun once on a duck hunt. And they're like, we want to go again. And, and that's, that's really enjoyable. And just the mentor part too, right? When you work with someone for so long and all of a sudden you're now being like mentored back by them, that's pretty special. You're like, the, you're like the mother hen, you know, <laughs> no, you're like all, proud of all my babies. That's so funny. Yeah. My little brother called me that all the time growing up. You'll appreciate oh, really? that comment. <laughs> I don't know if it's for the good way though. More like she's tattling on me again. Oh my gosh. I know how that goes. This is for you, broski. <laughs> so Brittany, tell us a little bit about what you guys have learned. I mean, obviously this is not your guys' first rodeo. You've been at this for several years now. I'm curious, what has kind of come to the surface and like key takeaways, whether it be from, you know, the events themselves or even, I know you guys have conducted some surveys even too. Mm -hmm. So tell, tell our listeners kind of what insights you guys have been able to draw from your yeah. progress today. Yeah. You know, I think as just like running a program, your big focus, right, is to like dial in on a population you're going to serve or um, you have to be really mission focused, which to a degree is good, right? You don't want to drift from your mission too much. However, we've learned, um, even though we have this, you know, targeted audience of little brothers, little sisters at Big Brothers, Big Sisters, or through the Shooting Sports Outreach Program, there's still a lot of kids out there that want to go hunting and don't have a mentor, don't have access that we talked about. And so that's one thing we're quickly realizing is that we can't be exclusive when it comes to serving these kids. Like we need to open this up for other kids. And so I'm, I'm happy to share this too on this podcast, because if you have a kiddo or even an, a young adult that wants to go hunting, call us. I mean, we're not going to say no to you by any means. You just have to have Hunter Ed, you know, and that's, that's kind of the one thing that gets you into our, our program. I would say that's a really big thing we've learned this past year in serving these kids. So since Tana actually works <laughs> in the education section, why don't you tell folks what the options are with Hunter Ed? Because we just launched something new that's going to make it easier than ever to get certified, especially yes. people want to get involved with things like yeah, Pass on Apple. You guys Hunter, are so. the best for doing that. Yeah, I saw you giving me that side eye there. I knew oh, that was like, coming. I get excited when Hunter Ed comes up. <laughs> yes. So um, in addition to the courses we have previously offered, which we've had a traditional multi-day course that's in a classroom setting. Um, it's over multiple days. Uh, we also have an internet-assisted course, which a portion of that class is online, and pending completion of that course, you also take an, uh, a field day as well. We'll get some shooting experience, you'll get to do a trail walk, um, some safe firearms handling, so that's a really great option. And then here recently, we just started offering a fully online option as well. Now, I want to emphasize that that's an option. So that being said, you know, we want to make sure that we are serving all of our constituents in Kansas. We want to make sure everybody has an opportunity to um, experience hunter education, get that information in the way that they feel most comfortable. So that's why we offer three different options. If you would prefer an in-person class or that your kiddo take an in-person class, we have those options available in multiple formats. But this online option is really cool because it opens up some opportunities that may have not existed. Um, for example, I talked to a gal just recently who um, had had a baby like within a couple of weeks and was trying to get into a hunter education class because she wanted to hunt this fall and winter. And I was able to tell her like, girl, you are welcome at our class. Absolutely. There will be opportunities for you to pump if you need to step away. That being said, we have an online option and that might be better for you. And she had had firearms experience already. She had been in the field, you know, with mentors or family members, et cetera. So that field day component wasn't as important to her. So she had the option of taking that class online. So 
Those are the three options we have available right now. Um, the option online is offered by the NRA. It's the NRA Hunter Education course. And at this time, it's available to those 16 and up. So if you are under the age of 16, you will still need to get into um, a traditional or an internet-assisted class. However, um, we're really excited to offer that fully online option now. And I know, Brittany, uh, some folks have been taking advantage of that to Mm -hmm. get in on your hunts. Yeah, I mean, especially in a world of COVID, right? Um, Classes in person stuff is still really not existent in some areas. And a lot of our hunter ed instructors may just not be hosting classes as regularly as they used to. So it's a great way for kids to get out. Absolutely. And kids are getting more and more, and I keep saying kids, I want to reiterate that this program, um, the online course is only available to those 16 and up, but even uh, youth 16 and up, like in the high school area, they're getting more and more used to learning online Mm -hmm. as well. And you don't have to just take one class, right? Like if you take the online version and you feel good, but still want to have that hands-on in-person class, get into a class later. You can take Hunter Ed twice. Sure. Or get into a firearm safety (laughs) class. You can kind of use that online platform as a foundation to build your own course to your needs yep. and take some additional um, additional classes and opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. You know, the, the online class, I was doing a little bit of research and I noticed that I think we're the 12th state in the nation to implement a fully online course with several other states considering it. And I know, you know, it's kind of a polarizing topic because mm. some people are all for it. They're like, this is great for accessibility. Um, you know, we need to be as flexible as possible. Others are really apprehensive about the idea of um, diverging from that traditional in-person course. And, and, and that's what I did. I actually, I took Hunter Ed, I think I was 20 years old at the time and I did the traditional in-person at a Cabela's. It was a great experience, but I'll tell you what, had I had, um, you know, uh, internet assisted during the time that I needed Hunter Ed, or had there been a fully online option, I would have really appreciated it. Um, but recently, you know, I logged into the NRA system and got onto the Kansas site and it is no joke. Like for anyone who thinks that the online version is uh, a skimpy version of the in-person. It's a beast of a class. It is challenging. And it's fun and engaging, but it it is is. in-depth. It's thorough. Yeah. Yeah. And I think something else that kind of gets lost in that conversation is everybody learns differently. Mm -hmm. You know, if if you're a parent with multiple kids in your house, you know this very well, that not all children are the same and not everyone's gonna do well in person. You know, they can be easily distracted or maybe they feel intimidated. You know, online learning is gonna work really well for some students who maybe wouldn't have done Hunter Ed otherwise. So that's my little plug for that program. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get off our soapbox on this, I swear. (laughs) But it's an exciting thing that we're excited to uh, chat with the public about. You know, KDWP did a great deal of research before we made this decision to go online. Um, We heard some of the weariness coming from some of our instructors, from some of our constituents about whether or not this could compromise safety in the field. So I do want to assure any of our listeners on today that um, almost a year's worth of discussion went into this decision and a lot of research was done as well. And at this time, there's no data that suggests an increase in incident rates or, um, you know, safety incidents related to going to an online class. And again, that's why we think it's really important to have multiple options available to folks. So if you don't think that that's the right learning environment for you, you can take an in-person course. But, you know, a lot of thought went into this um, and a lot of preparation. So I hope folks enjoy it. I hope they appreciate it. And I have to say, if you're a skeptic, like Nadia said, it is a no-joke class. So I really encourage you, if this is something you're passionate about, if it's something you're questioning, this decision, 
um, jump online and take that on NRA online hunter education course and get back with us at KDWP and let us know what you think. If there's something you think that course is really missing, let us know. If you are happy with it and so impressed, you know, we love hearing the good things too. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brittany. So back to you and pass it on outdoor mentors. How can people participate in and help support your program? Yeah, I love that question because it's like a trifecta of options, right? (laughs) So obviously, if you have a kiddo, sign them up with us. We have um, a very simple way on our website. It's a youth sign-up form. Fill out your information. You get dumped into a catalog of other kids who want to hunt with us, and you'll get notified of hunts in your area. And, of course, we're happy to answer any questions um, that parents might have or kids might have. If you're a mentor wanting to get involved, you can get involved in any any capacity. And that's probably another thing we've learned this way is you have to often meet mentors where they're at with mm-hmm. what they're able to commit to, how they want to do it. If you want to just mentor turkey hunts, let's do it. You know, if you want to sign up for every hunt we have on Saturdays, also going to do that. <laughs> we have lots of options. If you want to run your dogs on some of the preserve hunts we've been organizing across the state, we're happy to have you. So I think that there's a there's a fit for every mentor out there if they're wanting to get involved. Um, one thing I will say is all of our mentors are, are vetted. Um, we have a pretty good conversation with them, get to know them pretty well. And then they're also going through a background check. Um, that's a big priority of ours is, you know, obviously kids are being safe by taking Hunter Ed and we're going to make sure all of our mentors are going to be putting their youth in a safe place too. Um, when it comes to safety and like hunting situations, turkey hunts, deer hunts, when you're in an enclosed blind, I think we can never talk too much about safety, right? We always encourage a third party to be there. So a parent, guardian, um, aunt, uncle, maybe another mentor. We th- we'll throw two mentors in there. Um, there's always going to be a, a safe situation there. So uh, please know that mentors are very much uh, respected on our end, and we, we love what they do, and we're going to make sure kids are safe with them. Uh, if you're a landowner, you know, yeah, call us. <laughs> we, if you have extra deer on your land, we would love to take advantage of the pre-rut season or the January season. We don't need our kids to shoot monster bucks. I mean, I'm sure they would love that, but that's not what we're all about. Um, if you've got a pond that you want us to hunt some dove over because you're not utilizing it, that'd be really great too. We are. We're all ears. That's Very cool. cool. And Brittany, what what was that website that you referenced that if somebody was interested in either participating in an event or being a mentor, can you share that URL? Yeah, we're www.outdoormentors.org. Very good. Easy enough. Yeah. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. I think we have a LinkedIn account. You pretty, guys are all over the yeah, place. Yeah, we're pretty accessible. Just look up Outdoor Mentors. Perfect. Very good. So do you guys... Uh, not do you have upcoming events? What are your <laughs> right? upcoming events? Because I want to know what is next. Yeah. Well, we just took advantage of the pre-rut season here in Kansas. So we had 43 kids out hunting. Um, 43? I know, right? It was fun. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It was, impressive. It was really good. It was really good. And I think, um, yeah, I think as we're kind of getting our worlds changing back to some normalcy, it's, we're competing with some other extracurricular activities. So we were able to serve some kids outside of our shooting sports outreach program and just heard some really great stories from them. And it's been, it's just fun. I love the pre-rest season. It's a lot of work. Like the two weeks leading up to it, it's kind of like your hair's on fire. But again, <laughs> come Saturday, Sunday, you're like waiting around like, okay, the sun's down. Where are the pictures? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Um, it's it's awesome. One thing we're doing too is we're organizing a lot of preserve hunts um, with all these outfitters around the state. Their business took a hit during COVID. Um, we want to make sure we support them. And we also found it's a really good way to control a pheasant hunt. Wild pheasant hunting is one, sometimes really hard physically. And two, is really 
kind of challenging when you have a very new kid who's not used to a rooster flushing in front of them. It I'm can still be not used no, to it. Quite and I'm traumatizing. <laughs> right. I took my husband out for the first time last December. Oh my gosh. I know. And he had two, three roosters hop up in front of him only, of course. Uh-huh. And he was like, I, I, I couldn't even like put my gun to my shoulder. Like, I, what's a safety? Like, he just said everything fell out of his brain because it just startled him so much. Yeah. And that's just how it works. So when we can do these preserve hunts, we're not doing bird launchers by any means, but we are planting birds. And so mentors can run their dogs, be safe. And these kids have a lot more success, which means that they're probably going to want to go again, which is ultimately what we want. Yeah. And what's cool about that too is like, you know what, full transparency, we all know we have some access constraints here in sure. the Midwest in Kansas. Um, and there are a lot of programs available, especially, you know, we're doing work here at KDWP to help open up some of that access and Always. create more public land. Um, but that being said, I really appreciate what you guys do to try to diversify your hunts. You're going on those preserves. I know you've had conversations with some of our public lands managers about getting out on public land and utilizing that um, and private land as well. Because, you know, if you're a hunter in Kansas, chances are you might be on private land one season and public land the next. And so it's really important that you're educating your participants on how to utilize all those different forms and knowing that your hunt might look a little bit different depending on where you're at. Yeah, we don't live in the world where it's like super safe to go knock on doors and be like, can I hunt your property or like write a letter to a landowner? Mm -hmm. Especially when a lot of landowners are leasing their land and they live somewhere else, right? So this is a, I think a good way to teach kids how to find opportunity you know, if they're not hunting with us, I can call it preserve. It might cost me some money, but I am supporting a family who's running this mm-hmm. and call it apartment, look up some Weeha or look at the special hunts program. I mean, we're so thankful for that program through you guys. Cause we get a lot of kids out. I need to total the numbers up, but it's a lot of kids out on those hunts alone. Um, and of course, again, if you want to get on some private land, you might have to put in some labor for it, right? Go help that farmer out and you'll be surprised. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad you you mentioned uh, special hunts again because that's something that's always on my mind. Um, you know, that's a really underutilized resource. So for the folks who get in on that and get a hunt, the stories I hear are almost always the same. I had no idea this existed, <laughs> and oh my gosh, I had such a good hunt. Yeah. So for people who are listening who aren't super familiar with special hunts, essentially what these are is uh, staff, uh, our public lands managers, wildlife biologists, they get together, and each year they create opportunities for hunting on lands that aren't normally hunted. Um, these could, these could range from anywhere, you know, near a state park or a wildlife area, um, to, to federal lands. And essentially what they do is they hold, um, uh, application period in the spring and in the fall. You can access all of this at ksoutdoors.com and you can sign up to participate in a mentored hunt Mm -hmm. where maybe you're serving as a mentor for somebody, um, younger, um, there's open hunts where everybody's kind of allowed to participate. Um, and then there's a whole plethora of choices, whether it be dove, duck, pheasant, deer. Um, and like I said, these are on lands that are not normally hunted. And I know that our staff work really hard to create these opportunities and not everyone knows about them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether you're working with Pass It On Outdoor Mentors or not, definitely be sure to look up the special hunts program. Cause like I said, they're open to everybody and there's some really neat lands that you can access. Yeah. Yeah, I have to thank Mike Nyhoff for that, too, because he's just been a pillar in our organization. Mike has been working with us since 2002, so he's always really generous when he comes to us and says, I've got, you know, however many hunts that are left over for going unfilled or maybe someone signed up and then can't go anymore. Do you want it? Um, 
It's really neat. There's people who will travel across the country <laughs> to go on these hunts. Right. We have a, a parent going to Prairie Dog State Park this week, actually today, to go on an archery deer hunt there from our special hunt program. And he's like, we've never been there. Like, we don't know where Norton is, but we're going. And, and that's so I love cool. That. Yeah, that's that's the point, right? That's the beauty is that these people have no idea, no idea that these places exist yeah. and that they ha- can access them. So Mike might be the only other person who is as excited as you to yeah. get those pictures of those successful <laughs> oh, hunts because yeah. that's his mission too. I feel like Mike and I have a text message thread of just a bunch of like pictures with kids and animals. Oh, yeah, <laughs> don't even need to talk. It's just understood. Photo, by photo. That's right. It's understood. You're right. You're right. That's awesome. We'll definitely take advantage of that special hunts program. I encourage all of our listeners to look that up. Um, it's a great opportunity too if you are a new mentor because it's a controlled environment and the area is controlled per how many hunters might be in the area. Um, it's not quite as daunting as taking yeah. somebody new out on public land, whether you're as a new hunter or um, a new mentee, a new hunter. Um, oh my God, a new hunter or a new hunting mentee, whatever. Um, it's it's much more controlled and less daunting. So really important to look that up. Well, and you're going to have access to the staff who manage that area. They're going to be in contact with you, mm-hmm. giving you information about the area ahead of time. I know Rob Riggin is one of our staff members who just does a phenomenal job. I hear he compliments about him every year. And, you know, he's even gone so far as to drive folks around to show them the spots that they need to go to, you know, let them scout ahead of time. And, you know, every property is different. You know, every manager is going to have certain restraints that they're working within. But for the most part, you know, they're there to make sure that you guys have a quality experience, just like Pass It On Outdoor Matters. Yeah. And so uh, it really is a neat thing. Yeah, Rob was pretty great. We'll give him a little shout out too. He hosted a dove hunt for us this year. And I think we had like 30 kids down there hunting at the Army Ammunitions plant. Um, That's and a then cool property. It's so cool. So cool. And it's funny when you say it, people get like googly eyed because they want to hunt there. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you can probably do that. Just call or like look into it. But (laughs) so all these kids went, but we also had two kids who were deer hunting during the youth season down there. And um, there's two kiddos who are homeschool um, kiddos, but they they shoot on a a school trap team. So you can kind of get some flexibility um, when it comes to like homeschool or say your high school doesn't have a team. You can actually shoot for another team nearby. Just have to get approval from your athletic director. That's really neat. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's really neat. So you've got kids from you know, surrounding areas might be shooting on one specific team. So this mom took her two kids down there, brother and sister. And, uh, I think it was a little girl that shot a deer. I'm pretty sure, but I mean, tickled pink and they've signed up for four or five more hunts with us just because of that great experience. And the mom's like, I'm for it. Like, I kind of want to get into this now. And that's really cool to see families getting involved, parents kind of Hey, maybe I can do this or I used to hunt, but then I had kids and now I don't. So maybe I should try it again. There you go. Yeah. Well, how about post hunt with you? So we talk a lot about, um, you know, this, this process that it takes for someone to adopt a new activity. And there's that phase that folks are in when they're with you a lot of the times, which is that continuation with support, um, that I have a mentor with me. I have somebody helping with me and I love this. I want to continue. I'm going to sign up for four more hunts. How do you encourage your participants once they've completed this period to move on and become independent hunters. Yeah, I think that's one thing we're constantly looking at too, is I think some people learn differently, right? So some people are going to need a mentor longer, maybe be in our program longer. Ideally, of course, in our heads, if we get kids involved in our program as freshmen, sophomore, and they're hunting three, four times with us a year, we're gonna, we, ho- we hope they're going to feel pretty good by a senior year that they can do this on their own or that we've at least put them in connections with conservation groups that they can join when they go to college or maybe they go into that tech job 
that they're going into um, out of high school. And so we're hopeful that's where we're at. But of course, I think we'll have a better idea of that in a few years when we've had this program running a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see. I'm sure you're going to have participants come back as mentors in the future. And how cool will mm -hmm. that be? We do. Yeah. We saw a kiddo from um, the May South um, trap team is actually helping a guide in Wichita now, like graduated high school, colleges and his thing. He's like, I want to be in this business. And he went on a duck hunt with, with skiing gun dog and outfitters. And oh, now yeah. he's weight skiing. Yeah. yeah. And, and now he's helping Wade. He's guiding for Wade. He's like part of the family. And I'm like, it makes me kind of teary eyed sometimes when I tell that story. Cause Quaid is just like super abundant in conversation and just wants to learn. He's so eager to learn. I remember he signed up for our hunt and he probably messaged me 12 times in a week. Like, I'm still good to go, right? I'm like, yeah, man. I remember you talking about Quaid. He's so yeah. good to go. But he, and he was telling his coach about it. And his coach was like, hey, they're still good to go, right? I'm like, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> at this point, I'm like, okay, I'm going on this hunt because I got to meet these fellas. And they already knew about duck hunting. They were already duck hunting, but they had so many questions that they needed to ask somebody who understood the next level of duck hunting right and so what kind of spread do you use what kind of call do you use what about this what about that and I think Wade was so exhausted by the questions <laughs> that he realized how how special that connection was with Quade and and so they're, they're good buddies now yeah That's again awesome. a yeah. good kind of tired oh, yes yeah. a fantastic one yeah you're right so Brittany you know you obviously you've had lots of amazing experiences and got to meet lots of neat youth and and even you know partners you know landowners mentors mm-hmm. What has been the most memorable experience mm. that you've had to date? Yeah. If you can pick just one. I know, that's always harder. I'm like, I have like 12. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more. Um, I, I feel like I always do end up talking about um, my friend Kanaya. I don't know if you guys have read stories about her at all. Do you want you guys go on the antelope? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Kanaya. Antelope. I know yeah. it. Oh, my word. I know it. We're, yeah. So Kanaya and I actually um, got involved with outdoor mentors together. So I was coming on as a mentor in 2015, and she was taking Hunter Ed. As a little itty bitty 12 year old and she was part of the big brothers big sisters program so her mom um and actually Kyron's her her brother so brother sister in the program together yeah mom didn't have any idea about hunting was kind of like yeah take my kids hunting why not but was all for them getting experience and like if they hate it they hate it if they love it we'll keep going and so (laughs) I remember we went up to um got her hunter ed certified she did great um, went up to Glen Elder for the youth and women's, and I think it was celebrities hunt that Chris LeCure, Mike Nyhoff, yes. all those guys put on. Um, it was so cold. It was in January. And I just remember there being a lot of snow, a lot of wind, and little Kanaya. I mean, she's probably four foot five, maybe. I'm not much taller than that, to be honest. <laughs> but she's just itty bitty, and she's out there pheasant hunting for the first time and just having a ball, and she knocks down her first rooster. And it was just so fascinating for me to see her realize, like, I just shot my first bird. Oh, I just shot my first bird. What does that actually mean? And she carried this rooster around like a little baby doll. Because <laughs> I think she was processing, like, I I don't know. She didn't feel bad, but it's like, I shot this rooster and I want to take care of it now. Like, I'm really proud of it. And so she went through how to clean it. We put it in a baggie. You know, we took it home and saw the world's largest ball of twine. Anyway, that was like an incredible experience for us. And since then, you know, again, that was 2015. So years now we've, we've gone multiple times hunting together. We've gone duck hunting. We've gone turkey hunting. Um, she shot her first deer with me Oh wow! later on. I think it was right before. So it was January of 19. Um, a landowner said, Britt, come bring a kiddo out and you too can just shoot a deer. I'm like, Oh, cool. Fantastic. And 
got Kanaya in the, the, you know, the chair to shoot first. And we're taking down hours or minutes until sundown. I'm like, this is not looking good. (laughs) And so all of a sudden these does come wandering in as they usually do. And she was great, made an excellent shot. And then she was like, oh, wait, but you can, you can shoot one too. So trade me spots. And I was like, okay. We had like two minutes. I mean, we're, it's, it's getting pretty close to dark here. And I was like, well, this is not going to happen. All the does are gone now. And sure enough, this little doe comes wandering in from the side. And all of a sudden, I hear her, like, cheering me on in the background. Like, okay, do you see her? She's coming in. Do you see her? Oh she, she's walking toward us. Do you have your gun on? Okay, you probably should take your safety off. And I'm like, oh, I hear myself. Like, yes. <laughs> I was like, I'm being mentored by my cute little minty that I adore. And Aww. then, of course, I was able to make a shot and was able to take that deer and she was just like hip hip hooray cheering me on and it was the best thing ever yeah and so it's it's fun to see that go full circle it's like you always know you're getting so much more out of mentoring um but when you actually hear it verbally come from somebody with confidence it's like wow yeah hashtag made it yeah yeah I love it and so yeah we've gone on an antelope hunt in Wyoming and mm, lots of memories with that girl I adore her yeah Yeah. that's very cool So I know you guys are going to have a really busy rest of your fall and winter. Yes. Upcoming, are you guys getting out on pheasant hunts, on deer hunts, and waterfowl even? Yeah, all of the above. All of the above. We are hoping to take advantage (laughs) of, um, I think we have one youth waterfowl season left here in Kansas, if I remember right. Southeast season. We'll we'll check on that. Yeah. (laughs) Either way, I I think we're going to try that. But either way, we will utilize the youth upland season. We love that. Um, Our mentors love that because they get to run their dogs a little early in season. Um, We are going to, of course, keep doing preserve hunts. We'll have some antlerless season hunts in January and waterfowl hunts too. We love them. Waterfowl hunts are harder to plan. So I would say this is a good plug for us to say, if you are a waterfowler and you want to help us and mentor or help us plan, we would welcome that. You know, waterfowling, I think, is you have a lot more stuff to worry about. Waiters, appropriate gear, and things like that. So I'm all about trying to make that a little easier for our kids to get out and go do because they really love it. Well, there's your next campaign. Yeah. Be like skiing. Oh. <laughs> Boom. He'll appreciate Done. that. I love it. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, how about you mention the gear, and I have to, like, a little aside here. Yes. If folks have gear that they're not using anymore, that they've grown out of, is that something they can donate to your program? Yeah, I think that's great. We just had um, uh, some folks donate some decoys. So a young youth waterfowler can get out there and, and start using them. They need a little TLC, but what doesn't nowadays? Sure, <laughs> so, sure. Yeah, we absolutely welcome that. We do. That's great. Well, Brittany... When you think about the future of Pass It On Outdoor Mentors, which looks exceptionally bright and, um, you know, a big thanks to that is is from you. Um, What does that future look like for Pass It On Outdoor Mentors in the next five, ten years? Yeah. Well, a big thanks of it is to people like you guys and all of our mentors and Mike Christensen, who has worked tirelessly for 20 years now. I mean, we're celebrating 20 years. Um, If you know nonprofit worlds, that's a tall order sometimes because you got to keep Money coming in, you got to keep people happy, and um, it's we, we truly owe thanks to everybody else. I mean, it's we wouldn't exist without our mentors. It takes a village. Um, five years, I mean, that doesn't seem like that far away. I know. <laughs> to it. be honest, be here before we like, know. Well, um, I see this. I see our program just growing, and and I think it's going to keep blossoming. I think that shooting sports programs are definitely mushrooming in size. Um, we spoke with the U.S. Clay Target League, and they're projecting 6,000 kids in Kansas alone shooting trap by 2025. 
So there we go. Five years, 6,000 kids. And if it's our mission to serve those kids, we got a lot of hunts to organize. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, I also see us expanding into other states. We just signed a contract with Iowa, the Department of Natural Resources there, and we're working um, to, to do the same program, but utilizing the Scholastic Clay Target program. So we have a part time coordinator on, which I think has been on this podcast, Stephanie Lane. Uh, Stephanie, I think, has been on our She Goes Outdoors podcast. That's what it is. Yeah. That, yeah. That's so cool. Small world. She, it is a small world. She's great. Sings your guys' praises. And I sing hers because she's wonderful. So she's doing a lot of the heavy lifting in Iowa right now and coordinating those hunts and, and reaching out to those teams. So I think I see us expanding in other states and serving other bodies of, of hunters, too, whether it's hunter ed kids. Um, maybe it's it's women's groups. I had a a Girl Scout troop reach out to me the other day and asked if they can get some training and go on a pheasant hunt. I said, yeah. Yes, so in awesome. exchange for cookies, we exactly, can Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I will be, be sent. So yes, I see us doing a lot of growing and, and serving kids. That's really cool. Well, that's exactly what we want to hear. It's, yeah. it's been great to work with you guys. And I know I can speak for, um, you know, this agency when I say we hope that'll continue into the future yeah, for sure. us too. Any last parting words of wisdom? <laughs> words of wisdom. Yeah, for I new love hunters, it. for future mentors. Yeah. You know, just just get out there and do it. I think we're all creatures of habit and we don't like to be uncomfortable. And I think trying new things is incredibly uncomfortable. So I, I would venture to say, like, if you have a kid wanting to get involved and you're a parent saying, I'm unsure of this, call us. Let us talk to you about it. Um, let us give you some resources if you're a mentor, same thing. I don't feel equipped to do this. I'm not good enough. You are. I'm telling you right now you are. Call me. We're going to get you set up. Um, that would be my advice. I think that we can't change the future of hunting without without starting today. That's perfect. Yeah. Well, Brittany, we always love talking to you. You know, you're a friend. Um, and I'm sure our listeners loved hearing from you today, too. And so I want to point out that if you loved having this conversation with Brittany today, um, you can actually get on, and Brittany contributes to another podcast. She co-hosts a podcast. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that and how our listeners yeah. can tune in? Yeah, I feel like we're all podcasty these days, and I love it. Yeah. So thanks, COVID. You inspired something really wonderful. There you go, silver <laughs> um, lining. My good friend Rob McDonald and I started a podcast. It's the Great Plains Outdoors podcast, and our purpose is just to kind of cover anything and everything on the Great Plains from kayaking, hiking, fishing, hunting, to exploring national parks, like that's what we're all about. And we just feature different guests on to talk about their passions and hobbies and just a mom and pop kind of talking shop is what I like to describe it. (laughs) So yeah, get on there and check us out on Facebook or on Instagram and on all the pod being other podcast playing platforms. (laughs) Cool. Well, Brittany, it's been a pleasure having you on with us today. A huge shout out to you and all the hard work you do. And like you said, it does take a village. Mm -hmm. So a shout out to all the partners that work with you guys to make it happen. Mm -hmm. A big shout out to Mike Christensen, who has been there from the beginning, Mm -hmm. making this effort a reality. And of course, Eric Brown, too. Mm -hmm. Um, You you guys are both out organizing hunts. And that's really great. So shout out to you all. Um, When or where can our listeners learn more about the Passing on Outdoor Mentors efforts and how to get involved? Just one more time. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Outdoor Mentors. And then our website is www.outdoormentors.org. Very nice. Well, Flatlanders, thank you so much for listening. Brittany, thank you for joining us. And remember, flat is a state state of of mind. mind.
Flatlander Podcast is made possible through a partnership between the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks and the Kansas Wildlife Federation. Sound and production by Megan Mayhew. Music by Kansas locals, The Box Turtles. Become a member of KWF for free by visiting kansaswildlifefederation.org. And be sure to follow KWF on Facebook at Kansas Wildlife Federation and on Instagram at KS Wildlife Fed. Stay up to date on all things KDWP by following the department on Facebook at Kansas Wildlife and Parks and on Instagram at the KDWP. Remember, the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks is supported by flatlanders like you through the sale of licenses and permits. Consider buying a hunting or fishing license today to conserve and protect the wild spaces and faces that make Kansas more than flyover country.